0: If you've got your journals, we're in Acts 10. If you've got your Bibles, we're in Acts 10. We're going to start in verse 34. So this is kind of a turning point for us. And uh, Dada and I realize we're kind of in a turning point as a couple. We've got two grown daughters who have both gotten married to awesome young men. They love Jesus. Uh, one daughter has two kids, so we've got two grandkids, and they're in California, so this year we only had half of the kids at home. And so I, I decided it was probably appropriate in this new season of life because a couple of people have actually asked. Deidre bought herself a new T-shirt for Christmas. It says, Raising My Husband is Exhausting. <clears throat> okay, she didn't buy it. I bought it for her because it's true. <laughs> Uh, we're we're in this passage, and the reason I wanted to touch on this before we go into this five-week series on Fear Not is because this is an incredible turning point. This, this is a transition in the New Testament. It's a transition in the Christian church that we come to today in Acts 10. We're going to be starting in verse 34, but as we enter this new year, we're also entering this entirely new chapter in the Christian church as we look at the book of Acts. And it's one where you and I are invited into the ongoing story that we read about in chapter 10. It isn't over. It didn't end when the book of Acts printed the last word and put the last period in. The book of Acts continues to go on, and we're a part of this this great story that's being told. We're invited into the good news of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth for our salvation. That's really, when we talk about what we're celebrating on Christmas Eve, we're talking about celebrating the birthday of the child who would grow to become the one who gave his life for the forgiveness of our sins that we might be saved. And you want to talk about a celebration going into the new year. Maybe 21 wasn't the best year for you. And you're kind of thinking, I'm not even sure I've got a whole lot to look forward to. Let me tell you what you've got. You've got Jesus Christ, the only son of God, who gave his life for you that you might be free. If you want something to start your year off on the right foot, that's it. And this passage really shows how that has opened up to the whole world. See, Peter, who we already know is a pretty good preacher, when Peter preaches, people listen. People listen and they respond. And he's got the chance, once again, to preach the good news of Jesus to a pretty good-sized crowd of people. But this time it's a little bit different. This group of people, they're not Jewish. They're not his own people. This time, the group of people are all Gentiles. They're like you and I, because everybody in the world who isn't Jewish by birth is considered a Gentile. And that's who this sermon is for. And the cool thing about this sermon of his, when we look at it and we work our way through it and we digest it so that we really understand it, what he's doing is giving us a play-by-play handbook of how we can share Jesus with other people. In the verses we look at today, he covers the entire life, death, and resurrection of Jesus in a very simple way for people to understand. If you've never understood how to, how to share your faith and how it is, you possibly might have something to say. Peter does a great job of showing that today. So starting on verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth and he said, truly I understand that God shows no partiality. Why does he all of a sudden understand that? Last week, we looked at this vision or this trance that he had where what he saw was a sheet or a sail because it was so big that came down from heaven that had all kinds of creatures on it. And it said in the text before that that Peter was hungry and God says, rise and kill and eat word really means rise and sacrifice. And Peter has this conversation, and the Bible says he was inwardly perplexed. He didn't understand because a lot of the creatures on that sheet or on that sail were ones that he wasn't allowed to eat as a Jewish person. And then it goes on, God goes on, and, and he says that, do not call anything that God has created common or unclean. And so Peter's perplexed. What, what in the world does it mean? How, how in the world can all those animals means something that's worthy of this vision. And Peter's trying to figure out, and then he finally realizes it's not just about the animals. It means that God doesn't show any favoritism. If God created it, it's not common or unclean, but it's good. And as far as people go, God said in the beginning of Genesis that people are very good. And so Peter's beginning to understand it. it. It means that God doesn't show favoritism. God isn't prejudiced. God isn't racist or elitist or sexist or any of these words that we use to divide ourselves as people, even within the church. God isn't any of those things. God is perfect love poured out for you and everyone else who will accept his free gift of love shown in Jesus. That's what Christmas is about. And so this text works so perfectly as we follow the Christmas story and as we follow the celebration that we had just two days ago. Verse 35, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Peter is saying it isn't just for the Jewish people. It's for everybody. I get that now. On the sheet was all kinds of creatures. But on the earth are all kinds of people. And Peter, through the help of the Holy Spirit, has been able to help, uh, has been able to understand that God's talking about people. Don't call people common or unclean. That doesn't mean that we don't have our sin. It doesn't mean that we're sinless. But it means that we're of great value to God. And so in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable. What's right? That's the thing that we wonder so much as a Christian. How do I do things that God wants me to do? What is the right thing? It's a great question. When you run into a question like that, my best advice is go back to the source. What's the source? God's word. In the Old Testament, there's a prophet. uh, He's called a minor prophet. His name is Micah. In verse 6-8, he says this. He has told you, O man, what is good. This is God. God has told you what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness or steadfastness, and to walk humbly with your God? If you want to begin to please God with your life, that verse is a great place to start. It's simple words. It's easy things to apply. It might not always be easy to do, but think about it, to do justice, to treat people well and fairly. To love kindness, to love kindness more than anger or division or divisiveness or any of the other things, the gossip and slander and all kinds of things that we can get caught up in. To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Don't think more of ourselves than what we are. To realize that we're sinners and before we start pointing our finger at other people, we need to realize we need to clean up our own house. So simple. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. If you want to know how to start pleasing God, if you're at that point in your walk, this is a great place to begin. Verse 36. As for the word that he sent Israel, God, as for the word that God sent Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, and then he adds, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. The word of Jesus in his life, his death, his resurrection, and his being raised from the dead had spread all over the area. The Jews certainly heard it, and we know what their opinion was. But also the Gentiles had heard it, and they had paid close attention to it. And what he's saying is God sent Jesus to the people of Israel first, and now out of Israel, out of Israel, the good news of Jesus is being shared with the world. Why is this a transition in the church? Because we're the world. We're the non-Jewish people that now the gospel, the good news of Jesus, has been open to. You want a reason to celebrate in 2022 and kick the year off right? This is it. God has included us in the good news of Jesus. Verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He's making the statement that the Holy Spirit came to Jesus and Jesus was anointed with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. How do we know that God was with him? Because God anointed him with the Holy Spirit. And we're witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews, which is Israel, and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. That was the response of his own people. See, God made Jesus his anointed Savior to the people of the world. But up until this point, it had really only been for the Jewish folks. So first of all, we need to celebrate the birth of Jesus and recognize that Jesus really is the Son of God. That baby born in the manger in the little city of Bethlehem, that is God come to earth. We use the word incarnate, God in human form. We need to recognize and accept that as true because that's given to us as truth in the Bible. So we get to celebrate this preordained, prophesied, long-awaited birth of Jesus. And yet this is just a tiny slice of why we should be in wonder and be in awe of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus and what it means to us. One of my favorite passages uh, in Scripture we just read on Christmas Eve, it's talking about the the angels coming to the shepherds and the shepherds coming to see the baby Jesus. And there just had to have been such an incredible feel in that that little place that Jesus was born in. And then it gives us Mary's response, the mother of Jesus. said, Mary pondered these things in her heart. Peter is off being inwardly perplexed. But Mary, the mother of Jesus, is pondering these things in her heart. And I can't wait till I can ask, what did that mean? What were you pondering, Mary? Maybe the events that had led to the birth of her firstborn son. Maybe the understanding that her firstborn son was the Son of God. Maybe it was wondering who was he going to become and what was that going to mean to him and what was it going to mean to her. So I have to ask you, do you ponder what God has done for you? Do you take a page out of Mary's book and ponder in your heart the things that God has done and what it means for you? Do you ponder what the birth of the baby Jesus as historical factual truth means? Do you ponder what it means to be a sinner saved by grace, a sinner saved by the love of Jesus, and to know that our salvation is secure because of him, not because of what we've done? Do you take time and ponder that? I really think if we understood just how much was really at stake and how much was going on, I think that we would do what Mary did more often. I think that we would ponder these things in our heart. And I think about it and I say, God, why me? I, I stop to ponder and it almost becomes frightening for me because I realize I'm a sinner. I don't deserve this. And yet God says, I'm included in this great plan that Jesus began when he was born, that God carried out through him. Verse 40, but God raised him, Jesus, on the third day and he made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who have been chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. One of the stories, one of the rumors, one of the gossips that was going around was that Jesus hadn't really been raised from the dead. That that he was in the grave and it was just a, a story they were telling. Well, Peter wants to make sure that the Gentiles understand that not only had he actually been raised from the dead, but there were some people who saw him. Not everybody. But there was a group of chosen people who had the opportunity to actually experience, talk to, see, touch the risen Jesus. It isn't just a story. It's true. Verse 42, And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. This is where we really get to enter the story because when we believe in Jesus, when we accept that free gift that God gives us in him, we become the ones appointed to preach the good news. We become the ones to help carry out the Great Commission and to go tell people about who he is and what he's done for us. And that it isn't just for us, but it's for the whole world, including whoever it is that you're talking to. Verse 43, To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. I love this statement because what he's saying is all of the prophets, these men that the Jewish people held so dearly, They all speak to Jesus. Well, the Gentiles weren't unfamiliar with the Jewish faith. And he's saying, we understand this is the guy that those prophets were talking about. He's saying, this is for you as well as for us. And what does that mean for us? It is for you as well as for me. As we continue to live out the action that's happening in the book of Acts, it includes us when we believe in Jesus and when we accept his free gift of of forgiveness for our salvation and our sins are forgiven, Jesus becomes our Savior and our life here and now in our eternity changed forever. And what Peter is saying to these Gentiles is, God is including you. I now understand that nothing is common or unclean. The part that he didn't say is, I spent my whole life being raised understanding you as common and unclean and I needed to avoid you people. But, but sometimes in the church we do that. We decide who should be a Christian and who shouldn't or who should be welcomed and who shouldn't be welcomed and who God might be working through and who God might not be working through. And yet we need to remember this thing from Peter, that that's God's decision, not ours. Our job is to welcome and to love people. Because this gift, this Jesus, is for you and I and for everyone else who would believe. Verse 44, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. The Holy Spirit came to those people who heard the word of Jesus. And this is really amazing because now what we're finding out is the Holy Spirit comes to people who are brand new in hearing the word for the very first time and who are not Jewish. There's a long history in the church that said that day of Pentecost, that was a one-time thing. The Holy Spirit doesn't come to people like that anymore. The Holy Spirit doesn't gift people to speak in tongues or give them the gift of healing. And and the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost and it launched the church and that was it. It's all over. Those folks that believe that haven't read Acts 10. Not only did the Holy Spirit come to the disciples and and the Jews, the Holy Spirit now has come to the Gentiles. And the Holy Spirit came when they heard the spoken word of Jesus Two things we've got to realize there. Number one, that is why we invite the Holy Spirit and welcome Him into every worship service we have. We don't tell the Holy Spirit what to do. That's not our place. But we want God to know the Holy Spirit is welcome here. We want God to know that we welcome whatever it is that He wants to do in and through us. But it also goes on and says, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. That means that When we hear the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus spoken, the Holy Spirit is present and he is the one that helps us truly understand and to come to faith. When the Holy Spirit is present, it's incredible the miraculous things of God that can occur. I have served in churches that actively prevented, said out loud that the Holy Spirit wasn't welcome. Don't want you here had a senior pastor one time say, I will never welcome the Holy Spirit because if he's here, I'm out of control. (laughs) That's the point. But when the Holy Spirit is present, miraculous, incredible, unexplainable in human terms, things can happen. And they're all of God. And that's what we want to be about. That's what happened here, even to the Gentiles. Verse 45 says, and the believers from among the circumcised, that would be the Jewish people, Who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. Why were they amazed? Because they thought they had something special. They thought that God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit were just for them because that's all that they'd experienced. And so often in the church, we get things just the way we want it. We, we've got church just the way we got the right people we think that are coming. And we got just the right number. And, and everybody gets along just the right way. And, and we end up not really welcoming the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit might shake things up. And yet that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does throughout history. That's why we invite the Holy Spirit, because we want things His way, not our way. They thought they were the only ones that would receive the Holy Spirit. It's not unlike us today who decide who are real Christians and who are not real Christians. It's not our decision to make. That's God's. Verse 46, for they were hearing those speaking in tongues and extolling God. This is right back to the day of Pentecost. It's exactly what happened. It's repeated, but this time for the Gentiles. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? What he's really saying, would any of you dare not allow these people to be baptized? It's an awful lot like when God called Philip to leave his ministry and go run alongside this chariot with the Ethiopian eunuch who stopped and said, there's water, what would prevent me from being baptized? In the book of Acts Being baptized is so significant as a sign of this new faith, as a sign of becoming a new creation, which is why we make such a big deal about baptism, because the Bible makes a big deal. Verse 48. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and they asked him to remain for some days. This is really cool, because this statement happens more than once. They asked him to remain. We hear that in the book of Acts. There's something about the new believers that want to spend time with the disciples, They want to pick their brains. I I would love to know exactly what they were doing. But we know that they spent time understanding what it means to be a Christian. Now that they're believers, what does it mean? The the questions were probably, we need you to fill in all the spaces between the things that you said and all the other stuff that happened. What does that mean? What do I do now? How do I do it? What were you talking about? Tell me what it was like to be with Jesus. Jesus. They asked them to remain for some days because they had so many questions. It's why when we spend time together in worship, we never stray from God's Word because we've got so many questions and there's so much for us to learn. They formed what amounted to a life group to help understand how to live as a Christian. It's why we have such an emphasis on life groups here in this church. Life groups are there so that we've got a group of believers, everybody's at a different stage in their faith, to go through life with, to live, to learn, to grow as a follower of Jesus, just like we saw them do in the book of Acts. It isn't our idea, it wasn't new, it's a 2,000 year old idea that works really, really well in the Christian church. That's why we have life groups. So this this whole thing that just happened is so identical to the day of Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples and they began to speak in tongues, and and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit resulted in so many people being saved and baptized. But this time, it isn't the disciples that the Holy Spirit was being poured on. It was ordinary people like you and I. Ordinary people like us who were willing to receive the Holy Spirit. This is a challenging text for some people for that reason. First of all, because the Holy Spirit seems to challenge the comfort that we create in our faith. We create places in churches, in our homes, in the Bible study groups that we go hang out with or the other group. We create spaces that we become comfortable with. We say, I I like my faith this way. I like my friends. I like the way this works. But what the Holy Spirit seems to do is to make things a little bit uncomfortable for us so that we can grow, to challenge that comfort so that we can invite new people who don't know Jesus When he falls on the Gentile believers who have just heard the good news for the first time, that's radical stuff. And then before they're even baptized, it says the Holy Spirit is poured out on them, so they begin to speak in tongues. That's really radical stuff, but that includes us. The same Holy Spirit is here for us. There are some Christian denominations today that say that it's impossible. And yet here it is in Acts 10. And so here's what we need to know. This is scripture. This is coming from our Bible. This is the source of our truth. And so what that means is that God and his Holy Spirit can do whatever they want with whomever they want, whenever they want. And for you and I to think that we can control God or control the Holy Spirit, the only thing that we're doing is turning from them. Because God and his Holy Spirit can do whatever they want with whomever they want, Whenever they want. When you hear me say that our faith comes through hearing the Word of God, and it's only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit that we understand and grow and become people of faith, this text puts all of that stuff together perfectly. You say, I'm getting ready to where I'm, you know, kind of at the edge where I'm ready to talk to people about Jesus. Go back and put these words of Peter into your own words. The history and the telling of the Jesus story here is so powerful. This passage is where the door of the gospel to the whole world is opened up. Yep, God opened a door. There's a reason that we're called the open door. There's a number of them. This is part of it, because the open door is where God opens the door to the whole world, not just hearing the good news of Jesus, but to being saved by him. And this passage leads directly 2,000 years later to you and me. We are the church that was begun in the book of Acts. We, as the Christians today, are the church. You are the church. You become a part of God's great redemptive plan in Jesus by sharing the good news of Jesus and what the Christmas story really means. Do you know how many people who you know don't understand what Christmas really is? Just imagine if they said, because people ask this, you're going to be going to work again soon. They're going to say, what would you do for Christmas? Well, we went to church. What if that was your lead response? Do you know how many of the people you work with, how many of your friends would say, why? There's so much we got going on. Well, we went to church because that's the only real reason. And so what is it that we encourage you to do around here? To love Jesus and to love people and to teach people to love Jesus. We don't have to have all the answers, but God does. If we can just start with loving Jesus and loving people and teaching people to love Jesus, how do we do that? We tell them honestly who we know him to be. There's no better time than after Christmas because people are going to ask, what did you do over Christmas? What was the best thing that happened at Christmas? What was your highlight at Christmas? You know what? We got centered back to it being all about Jesus. See, there's people who are, who are dying because they've heard of him and have no idea who he is. Maybe you're the one that God has put in their life because you love Jesus to start loving people in a new way and begin teaching people how to love Jesus that's when we become a part of the book of Acts and we, we become a part of this transition that happened in the Christian church 2,000 years ago that can continue to transition the culture that we're in away from the world that's dragging us down and into a life in Jesus. And rather than a heavy responsibility or something you feel like you have to do, it's such a privilege. So what I have told people for, for 20 years And they say, well, I'm not an evangelist. I couldn't share the gospel. I could never do that. I don't know enough. Here's my simple saying. Try it. You might like it. Because turning on, being a part of turning on that Jesus light in someone's life is an experience that you'll never have doing anything else. It's a privilege that you'll never know anywhere else. And it begins with us just loving Jesus, loving people, and teaching people to love Jesus. And we do that by sharing the good news. Let's pray. God, thank you for this passage in Acts. Thank you for Peter, who just was so completely unafraid to preach the good news of who you are. God, thank you for the way that we can be encouraged by how people responded. And it hasn't changed. The world hasn't changed. What people are tired of is, is Christians who say one thing and by their lives go out and do something completely different. And God, we know that we're sinners and we know that we're going to uh, we're gonna have to deal with that with you. But that doesn't mean that we can't share how good and awesome and perfect you are. You have chosen imperfect vessels in all of us to share the good news of your perfect Son. God, help us to be challenged. God, fill us with your Holy Spirit that gives us the strength and the courage and the the wisdom and the knowledge that we need to do that. To love Jesus, to love people, and to teach people to love Jesus. God, thank you that in, in your grace and in your wisdom... You include us in what's going on in the book of Acts 2,000 years later, that we might make the good news of Jesus known to the world. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.